We are in Acts chapter 11, and it's the second half of Acts 11, and it'll be up on the screen too, but you can turn in your Bibles to it. It's starting in verse 19, Acts chapter 11, 19 to 30. Excuse me. And so just in these few short verses, uh, we learn about the church in Antioch, brand new church. And so uh, you're going to hear some new names, some new places mentioned in our journey through Acts. And our series again is called The Unstoppable Mission of the Church. Keep that in mind, okay? That is the title of our series in Acts, The Unstoppable Mission of the Church. The church is on the move, and we're going to see that here this morning. So verse 19, now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen, traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was on them. And a great number who believed, turned to the Lord. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad, and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he, meaning Barnabas, was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord." So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch the disciples were first called Christians. Now in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. And one of them, named Agabus, stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. And this took place in the days of Claudius. So the disciples determined, everyone according to his ability, to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And they did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. So there's four things in particular that I want to point out about this passage. You know, it's exciting because we're getting to meet some new people here, but we don't necessarily have their names. This is the church in Antioch, and why is that important? See, now Antioch is further north than Jerusalem, much further north. It's in what is today uh, Turkey, all right? And um, it was sort of a settlement where those who dispersed after the persecution of Stephen, remember we went through that? After those who were dispersed, those believers in Jesus Christ, some of them ended up in the city of Antioch. Now, Antioch was the third largest and most important city in the Roman Empire next to Rome and Alexandria. So it was a very big city. There was a lot happening there. And people had come from all around, especially from the church in Jerusalem that were dispersed because of the persecution. And so that's where the story picks up. In this city of Antioch, there is a brand new church there. But there's really some interesting things that we want to point out about this church. Four things in particular. 
that we're going to see. All right, And we'll get to them as we go along. We're just going to go through uh, section by section and you'll see how this great story of the first church of the Gentiles is formed. Because that's what Antioch is. It's really the first church outside of Jerusalem that is mainly Gentile believers. You've got to keep that in context. You remember the early church, right? They were all Jews who were then transformed by the Holy Spirit Believers in Jesus Christ, and they were now followers of the way, not even called Christians yet, not until here in Antioch. And so, up until this point, this is important that everybody thought of these new followers of Jesus as sort of a sect or an offshoot of Judaism. But it wasn't until here in the city of Antioch, in this brand new church, that it says they're first called Christians. And they are a brand new kind of people. They have a new identity. Because the vast majority of them are Gentile converts to what is now called Christianity. The Christians. You see? So it has a very unique feel and flavor. They're not following uh, according to the Jewish laws and traditions like the churches in Jerusalem did. And it was further out. You remember the Gospel was to go to Jerusalem first, to the Jews first, then to Judea and Samaria a little bit further, and then to the ends. Well, Antioch's even further out. We'll see that in a few minutes. So there's four things that are important that I want to point out. The first thing is right in verse 19 and 20, it says this. It says, Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen, they traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch. Okay, that's where we are now. Speaking the word to no one except the Jews. And we'll stop right there. You see what was happening? Because remember, they were, they were Jews, and then they had come to believe in Jesus as the Messiah, and they were all based in Jerusalem. So now as they're going out, a lot of them, because of the persecution, they find themselves here in Antioch, but all they're doing is sharing the good news with Jews. With their brothers and sisters. Do you see what I'm saying? They were not going to the Gentiles. And that was a new, that was a new movement, but here's what they were doing. They were only going to people that were like-minded. To the people they were comfortable with. They spoke the same language. They had the same culture and traditions because it was right in their comfort zone. Right? Don't we all tend to kind of do that? Right? We kind of travel in circles and people of our comfort zone. Even when we're going to share our faith, it's so much easier when it's people that maybe are like-minded, that speak the same language, that have the same culture. You know, when you go on a, a missions trip, you go to a someplace different, and there's some teens in our church that are in the Dominican Republic, and some of us went to New York City, which seems like a whole other world sometimes, right? And you meet all kinds of people, and they speak different languages, or they... Or they come from different backgrounds, different cultures, different ways of doing things. You know, when you go to visit somebody in their house and you have a meal with them, you get to learn a little bit about them, right? About sort of their traditions and their cultures. And sometimes you go into somebody's house and they ask you to take your shoes off. Ever do that? You don't have to raise your hand, but some of you, you do that. Yeah, you want shoes off. Now, some of it is just because you want to keep the carpet clean. And sometimes because it's a tradition, you know, but there's lots of traditions that kind of, and we talked about that last week, about letting go of some of our traditions that might stand in the way. But here are the Jews who were 
converts to Christ and followers of the way, they're going up to Antioch, but they're only kind of seeking out their own. You see? Now, in a way, it's okay because there needed to be that sort of, that, okay, you know, that sort of initial phase of bringing the, the gospel to the Jews who were, who were dispersed, who were out there, and who were going to living in that area that hadn't heard yet the gospel. But there's also something to be said about being ready and willing to step out of your comfort zone. All right? So I'll tell you a little story. So when I was in college, became a Christian after my first year of college, and my friend Tom and I, um, who I had known since kindergarten, I've talked about him many times, we, uh, we committed our lives to the Lord, we believed and made a profession of faith together, and then we formed a band. We were both musicians and we wanted to be rock and roll stars, right? Like, uh, who else wanted to be that? Who still wants to be, yeah, still, thank you. I haven't given up hope yet. But anyway, so, so we formed this Christian rock band. And so this was back in the, um, this would have been back in the 80s. Okay, don't do the math. But anyway, it's back in the 80s. And uh, we were just, you know, um, in the early 90s. And so we formed this Christian rock band. It was just, you know, in Christian rock at the time, like music was going through changes. And it was the early stages of, of Christian rock. You know, you had bands like Petra, right? Some of our older folks were like, yeah, yeah, I have a cassette tape of them. Yeah. <laughs> right? And so we're starting. And then there was like this alternative music that was coming out. And it was popular in the mainstream, so there was Christian alternative bands, so we were listening to that. And uh, I remember I had this conversation, and here's where I'm going with this, with some friends of mine at my, co- my school at the time, and they were new believers as well. Now, these two friends were roommates uh, at the school, and I had met them through a Christian group there, and they were deadheads. You know what deadheads are? Followers of the Grateful Dead, right? The rock band? Before they had come to Christ. And so they were all about, all they listened to. Um, their, their, their dorm room smelled like patchouli. They had, you know, they had banners all up. And they had all their records and, and, and cassettes and everything. And it was 24-7, Grateful Dead. And now when these two friends, when they came to the Lord Jesus Christ, they threw that all away. They got rid of it all. But here's the thing, and I, and I, you know what, I, um, I respected them for that. But here's what started happening. They started to come and tell me that I needed to do the same thing. That as a Christian, I need to throw out all of my secular music, all of that stuff. And they were only listening to Christian classical music. And my first thing was, how is it Christian? It's just classical music. There was no words to it. But anyway, it's a side note. So they started to try to tell me that I needed to do the same thing they did. And it was sort of like, you know, I, there was a, a, it was a point in my, my young walk with the Lord and young in the faith that, that I was wondering, is, there, is this true? Like, how do I then start to process this idea of music in my life as a Christian? Because I had just formed this band and we were all excited. I'm like, do I have to like give that up? And what does this look like? So I started seeking wise counsel and asking some people that I really trusted and um, came to the conviction, you know, that Satan doesn't create anything. He can only distort things. And so I believe that all forms of music can be, now maybe you don't agree with me, but that's all right, all forms of music can be redeemed and used for God's purposes. And I've seen it happen. And I've seen it happen. 
So we were playing this kind of music. And so I had great conversations with these friends, you know. But then I started to listen and, you know, find out that there was Christian rap music and Christian um, heavy metal, Christian punk music, right? And I started to go to these concerts. There was all different kinds of music. And sometimes you couldn't even hear the words they were saying. But you know what? Afterwards, they'd have this audience of, of young people and they'd get to sit down on the stage and talk to them and share the gospel. Why is it they play this kind of music? It was a very, very um, formative part of time in my life. And seeing that God was like using all these forms of music to bring certain people to him. And why I bring this up is because what I started to realize was that God will use people and their gifts and their passions to reach certain people. Like there would be people, um, young people coming to these concerts that we would never be able to reach with our style of music because they didn't like it, you know? But yet there were these other brothers and sisters in the Lord that were playing this other kind of music. Maybe I didn't even like it, but I noticed that there was young people coming to the Lord because of that. So God was using that and working these avenues because they had a passion for that. So they were witnessing for Jesus Christ right in their wheelhouse, right in the, the gifts and talents and passions God had given them because they spoke the same language, right? Music is certainly a language. And so they dressed the same, they had the same kind of subculture, the same language, the same music, around the same circles, and those were the people they were first able to connect with. So the same should be true for us, that no matter where you are, there's going to be like people that you kind of surround yourself with, circles that you're in, right? People that you associate with, and you start with, you know, that's your comfort zone. But let's also be willing to step out of our comfort zone. But notice here that it says in verse 20, but there were some of them, the ones from Cyprus and Cyrene, notice it wasn't Jerusalem. These were Gentiles, right? Who on coming to Antioch, they spoke to the Hellenists, preaching the Lord Jesus, meaning speaking to the Gentiles. So the Jews to the Jews, Gentiles to the Gentiles, that was starting to change, but it was okay. It was happening here in Antioch. Because they were speaking the same language, right? So that was okay. But let's make sure we also understand that God will often call on us to step out of our comfort zone. And I think we've all kind of been there and done that to a certain degree. But we have to be open and willing to do that. If we're going to grow, then we need to step outside of our comfort zone. And I think if you've ever done that in any capacity, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Then we just stay comfortable in our own sort of zone, right? We're not going to nearly grow as much because we're not tested. Our faith is not tested to, to take that, that leap or that step of faith. And so that's really important. That was starting, uh, we, they were starting to see that in Antioch. But then look at what happens here uh, in verse 21. The second thing that I want to point out about not only you know, going where first is your comfort zone, but then be willing to step out of that. Look at what it says in verse 21, perhaps the most important part of this whole passage. It says, and the hand of the Lord was with them. Now, no matter what we're going to go out and do individually and, and, and share the gospel, whether you know, you're going to go from here and form a, a Christian heavy metal band and you know, put the, 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 whole, the 80s hair back on and do all that, that's all good. We'll come and see you, right? We'll come and see you. But 
you know, whether you're going to do that or you're going to go share the, your faith at work or whatever that looks like, your ministry, our prayer should always be, individually and as a church, that the hand of the Lord would be upon us. Did you ever pray when you're praying for God's provision? Right? That God would provide. That, that God's provision would be so evident that His hand of blessing, sometimes as Christians we use that phrase, right? The Lord's hand of blessing would be on us. It's exactly what says is happening here. Because this church was growing. Look what it says in verse 21. The hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. It's the first time in this short passage that we see that, but not the last. A great number. So this church in Antioch was exploding. And I venture to say it's not because they had the greatest and newest programs in town, because they were keeping up with all the trends in church growth. But why was the church growing and exploding in size and in growth? Because the hand of the Lord was on them. That is what we pray for. When we talk about things like learning and growing and serving together that I talk about often, if we're going to grow, it's going to be from the inside out. As we grow closer to the Lord, as we grow in our knowledge of Him, and as we let that change us, then our numbers will increase. So our goal is not to increase the numbers, but that's what's going to happen. Because as we're growing, as we're growing, just like the church in Antioch, and we're doing it the right way, seeking after Him first, the hands of the Lord will be upon us. And then, naturally, by default, we have to grow. Because then we're fostering an environment for the growth of the fruits of the Spirit within us. And that will be attractive to the world around us. Am I right? I'm right. Yes. And so that's what was happening there. So then in verse 22 and 23, we see about Barnabas. Because the church in Jerusalem, remember the main church, they got word of what was happening. Remember, this is all brand new. It's very exciting. And so the leaders in Jerusalem were like, Barnabas, can you go check this out and make sure it's real? And that's what he did. He went and he said, man, and it said, when he came and he saw the grace of God, he was glad. And he exhorted them, this is verse 23, to remain faithful, to remain steadfast. So he got there and he said, this is, this is the real deal. This is legit. And he's, now, and he's exhorting them saying, yes, keep staying steadfast, right? This is the early church. They got to stay together and stay on course. And it says in verse 24, he did that because he was a man of God, full of the Holy Spirit himself. And look at what it says at the end of verse 24. Again, a great many people were added. This church was on the move and exploding. So in verse 25, we're continuing this story. What did Barnabas do then? He saw that everything was good, it was working. And he goes, let me go get, let me go get Saul. Saul, the new convert, right? So he goes to Tarsus, he gets Saul. When he found him, he brought him back to Antioch. And then check this out, this is so cool. My third point here, it says, for a whole year, they, meaning Paul and Barnabas, Saul and Barnabas, they met with the church and taught, again, a great many people. So you know what Barnabas did as a good leader? He noticed that there was growth. They were excited about learning and growing and serving together. And so what he did is he went out, he got his buddy Saul, and he said, this church is on fire. This church, we've got to really help them. And so you know what he did? 
They stayed for a whole year. And what did they do for that year? They taught them. That's called discipleship. That's what he did. That's discipleship 101. They stayed with them. They invested in them. Talking to the leaders and the other people in the church, they taught them because they were all new in the faith. See, they had responded. This is important. They had responded to the gospel. They made a profession of faith and they believed. But now what? Do you remember what Cornelius said to Peter when he came into his house? He led Cornelius and the whole family to the Lord and they believed. They said, stay with us. And Peter stayed for a few days to do what? To start this process of discipleship, of learning what it means to live according to Christ and to following Him. That's what happened here. They did it for a whole year. And I'll give you a plug. I love when the Scripture goes right into something we're doing here at church. This spring, in a month or two, you're going to see, we're going to launch um, a program on Sunday mornings where you'll be able to come and learn what it means to be a disciple of Christ. And it's for everybody, not just new believers, although it's perfect for those who are young in the faith. But it's going to take us through everything, the story of God, the story of Scripture, and what does it mean to be a follower of Christ? How do you pray and why do you pray? Why do you give on Sunday mornings? You know, What is it? Why do we read the Bible? How do you read the Bible? This is important for everybody. Maybe you've been a, a believer for 50 years. This would still be so beneficial to you. An opportunity to come on Sunday mornings to learn together, just like what happened here. It said, for a whole year they met with the church and they taught a great many people. So be looking out for that. Just another opportunity here at Trinity to learn not only the Word of God, but how to live the Christian life. Because we all need that. We all need instruction and help and guidance, don't we? We all need that. We read the Word of God and then we can be helped by leaders in the church, those who have been Christians longer. We seek out wise counsel. We read books by, um, by saints and brothers and sisters in the Lord who have studied for years. And we can learn. And so it says then at the end of verse 26, something very unique happened. This is sort of the second part to, to number three here. It says, the, Antioch, uh, the disciples at Antioch were first called Christians. You know why that was? Again, going back to what I said at the beginning, this was a brand new thing. Because earlier the churches were in Jerusalem. Remember, that's where it started. And so they were all Jews now following the Messiah Jesus. But as it started to spread, just as Jesus said they should, right? And with Peter going to Cornelius and the first Gentiles, and now we have Antioch, the first real Gentile church. And this is the place where Paul begins his missionary journeys. It's all right here in Antioch. What's happening is they are first by others now called Christians. They didn't call themselves that as far as we understand. It was others that gave them that name. Why? Because they didn't know what to call them. They weren't Jews anymore who were following Jesus because they weren't Jews by birth, right? Or even by conversion. It was something the world had never seen. So they needed an identity and a name. Like we all have a name, right? It sort of identifies us. We've talked about that often. We have an identity, not only in this world, but in Christ, right? And that is where we are to find our identity, in Jesus Christ. Not what the world says we should be like, or what we should do, or how we should think and act, but according to Christ, and following after His ways. And so here, there's a brand new group of them, but they weren't all Jews. Most of them were not, and so they needed to sort of be given an identity, because people didn't know what to call them. And so they call them 
Christians, followers of Jesus Christ. So that's where it happened first. You heard it here first. It was in Antioch, the church in Antioch. And then my fourth point, um, which I want to kind of park on for just a few minutes. Look at what happens next in verses 28 to 30. It's, it's an interesting sort of sidebar. It kind of takes a little left turn here. But it really, it really all sort of culminates in, in what I think Luke is trying to get, get at here when he writes about this church in Antioch. It says, now in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. It's kind of like all of a sudden we're talking about prophets in the church coming down to Antioch, right? So they came down from Jerusalem. Remember, Jerusalem is higher elevation up on a hill. And so pretty much any place you go from Jerusalem, whether it's even if it's north, you have to go down, okay? You get that? So it says, uh, in, the days, in these days, the prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, one of the prophets named Agabus, he stood up, so he's in the church, right? Much like we are here. And he foretold by the Spirit, so the Spirit gave him um, a prophecy to tell, that there would be a great famine, not only in that area, but the whole world. And then Luke puts in there in parentheses, this took place in the days of Claudius. So it really did happen. Okay, so he puts that in there like true story. All right? So in verse 29, something really interesting happens. They, they just heard this prophetic word from somebody that they trusted that there was going to be a famine, right? There was going to be a natural disaster. Now, we don't often get notified of that except for maybe a few days out, right? When a big hurricane's coming, even an earthquake, you hardly get, you get even less time. But when there's going to be some sort of natural disaster, we get a little bit of a warning. So here's a warning to this brand new young church in Antioch, but a church that's growing and, and really thriving, on, like I said, on fire for the Lord. And so this prophet gets up and says, in the church is going to be a great famine. So what does Luke tell us? Look at what happens in verse 29 and 30. So the disciples, it means those that were in the church in Antioch, they determined everyone according to his ability to send relief to their brothers living in Judea. So here's what happened. They got this word that there was a famine coming and coming soon. So the young church got together and said, we've got to do something about this. We've got to help our brothers and sisters up in the church in Judea. Isn't that awesome? I mean, this is a, this is a brand new church. They're young in the faith, but they're so moved that there's a need. They identify a need and they say, let's do something about it. And it says, as each according to his ability. So they all gathered the money that they could, some more than others, as they were able. And they handed it over, it says in verse 30, to, uh, to Barnabas and Saul, to their leaders, their elders, and said, here, we've collected this money. Can you bring it to the church in Judea to help them out? Because they're really going to be hurting in the time of a famine. Like, we'll be okay. Like, we'll, we're going to take care of ourselves. But can you help them? Because... They're going to be in need. How about that for an example, right? I mean, we just happened to, to put today in, in the bulletin the, the fellowship fund, right? The love offering thing. I mean, we do that once a month. Say, let's replenish that fellowship fund to give to people that are in need. That goes to brothers and sisters in the Lord that are in need, no matter what it is, great or small. That's exactly what the Christians in Antioch did. You know, I talk here often about these three words 
that are really important to us here at Trinity. Learn, grow, and serve. It's that cycle that we go through each and every day. Really important words. How we live the Christian life. We learn. So we're reading the Word of God and we're learning. But as we learn and we digest information and facts from the Word of God and we learn the stories and we see how God is is at work, what we do is we learn that but then we digest it and it, it forces us to grow, right? If we allow it, we allow the Holy Spirit really to grow us. But then as we grow, we say we can't keep this to ourselves. We've got to do something, Right? Because doesn't Christ call us to action, not to just kind of, as it said, um, sit and soak, right? We don't just come and listen and learn a little bit and then go home and then forget about it. It's supposed to change us. That's why we study theology on Wednesday nights and we have Bible studies Tuesday mornings and, and we have uh, prayer time and, and, uh, and all those opportunities we have community groups to get together to learn, to grow, so that, so that, something will happen that we will change and that we will then go to spread that hope you see what i mean to take that change then go and do something about it it's exactly what this young church did what a great example and i was encouraged when i was reading that because i'm reading it smiling it's like we do that (laughs) we do that here and that's a big part of what a church should be doing i mean it said basically you read this whole passage they were evangelizing because they were going into Antioch evangelizing the Jews and the Gentiles. And then within the church, the leaders, Paul, Saul, and Barnabas, they were equipping them. So it was evangelism. Then there was equipping because they taught them for a whole year. Right? But then they were going out and they were serving. They were helping. And that's exactly what they did. Because they heard about this great need. And it says they got together and determined... Which means to me, when it says determined, it means there was some planning there. They got together and said, we got to do something. we got to do something about this, right? And so they determined, and each according to his ability, it says they sent relief to the brothers living in Judea, and they did so. They sent it to the elders. They trusted their leaders to lead them and to guide them and say, yes, go, bring it. Barnabas and Saul, bring it to our brothers and sisters in Judea. What a great example of what God can do through His church as His church surrenders itself to Him. That's all, we, that's all that God really calls us to do is to trust and obey. So as we trust in Him, that He will lead us and guide us. Right? We continue our part. We learn, we grow, and we serve. It's exactly what the young church in Antioch was doing. Right? They were evangelizing, they heard the gospel, but then they needed to grow. And so Barnabas saw the need, he he said, come on Saul, we're going to teach them, disciple them. And then as they were learning that, they found out about a need, and they stepped up. And they said, we're going to, we're going to help to fill this need. Notice also that, which is really interesting, that as they, were, as they were noticing this need in Judea, it's important to notice where they sent this money. They sent it back to Judea, which at that point was mainly still a church made up of Jewish converts to the way, to following Christ. 
they went outside of their comfort zone. I don't think it would be too much of a stretch to, to say that. That they gave their money. It was like a cross-cultural thing. They said, look, you know, we might not have a lot in common with them. Maybe they still even speak a different language, they have different traditions. But they're brothers and sisters in the Lord. They have a need. And that kind of just wraps it all up, brings it full circle that, you know what? God will use you right where you are in your comfort zone, in your wheelhouse. But be ready and be prepared for God to ask you to step out of your comfort zone so that He can use you and grow you to do that just like He did with the church in Antioch. Because there were some, they were bringing the gospel to the Jews, some to the Gentiles. But when they saw a need, it didn't matter to them that the church was way there in Judea. A different group of people they said no. Because all together as the church, brothers and sisters in the Lord, if you look around now, you look around the church, man, so many different faces. You know, people from different backgrounds, different walks of life, different struggles, different issues, right? Some grew up in great families, some maybe, you know, not so great. You, uh, you grew up uh, with a lot of money, a little bit of money, whatever it is. But we all come here together and that doesn't really matter, does it? doesn't and it shouldn't matter when we leave this place and god calls us to share the gospel the good news of jesus that we are to do that anywhere with anyone we learned that last week and we see that this week as well let's pray god we thank you so much for the power of your word god we thank you that your word is alive it's alive and active because it does something to us it changes us we are called not to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. God, that's what was our goal this morning, that our minds would be renewed and refreshed about the truth of who you are, the truth of the, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. God, we thank you that we have this clear example, this great model of what a church should be doing. We thank you that they showed they were evangelizing and that they were then educating and equipping the brothers and sisters to go out and to do your work, the work that you have set aside before, uh, beforehand for us. And we thank you, Lord, that uh, they showed that great example of being selfless with their resources. They found a need, and they rose up to meet that need. We thank you for that, Lord. Help us to be a church that always does that, no matter what it looks like, that we would first take care of our own and then see outside these four walls about how we can be your followers to be your hands and feet. We give you all the praise and glory for it, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.